We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and I'm just excited about this guest because when I talk about brand messaging, Glenn does it, and he does it so, so well. So I'm excited to welcome her to Glenn Rudin. Glenn, how are you? We met on Clubhouse in the Million Dollar Room, and I just, what I liked about your, your, your energy is that you really want spent time with the people that asked questions. You didn't just kind of pass over it. You really wanted to break things down for it. And it's such important brand messaging, I think is probably the biggest missing component for personal brands and the large brands, the, the companies, right? Yes. So first of all, thank you so much, Neil, for having me here. It's, it, it's an honor to be on a podcast champion show, uh, which I consider you with, with, with all the success you've had here. So thanks so much for taking the time to let me be here and potentially talk to you about what I am so passionate about, which is branding and messaging. Because as I, I say to everybody, none of it matters if you can't figure out what to say about yourself, what to write about yourself, so that we know what you're trying to accomplish. Because in the absence of that, what in the world are you doing? Who are you reaching? And, and what are you saying to them? If you don't know the answers to these questions yourself, there's very little chance we're gonna know the answers to those as well. So tell me your background, because I mean, this is your thing. See, like I'm a jack of all trades, uh, master of none. Maybe you could say podcasting radio is it, but I mean, I'm a former professional wrestler. I've done just so many things in my career. I'm an entertainer, but like I want to, ev to do everything in marketing, but mean be a strategist in everything in marketing. Now I'm not doing everything or else I wouldn't have any time at all, but I really like, but everyone does niche down. But this one here, the reason I think it's such a powerful thing, Glenn, is because so many people don't know their brand. They don't know how to create a brand. They don't understand what they are. And it's they so don't. important. They don't. And, and I come by this through some of the greatest experiences that you could have working for Titans and branding uh, early, early in my career, I worked for Revlon, the cosmetic company. And, you know, even though they, they were the preeminent leader in mass women's cosmetics way back when, when Charles Revson started that company and they lost their way a bit and he, he got his ego involved in it and they ended up serving a mass market customer as opposed to Estee Lauder who really, really tailored to the upstairs market and really left Charles Revson no choice way back when. So I started working at Revlon in my 20s and it gave me an incredible, unique look at the way that marketing people pull together copy and stories about these products and then they're able to take that, translate that to the, to the men and women that actually work in these departments in Macy's and Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom's educate those people so that when a consumer is walking by in the store, they are brand ambassadors. They are well-versed. They know there's a stake in it for them. So they get well-versed on what the brands are all about and how to sell them. And so it's a really unique ecosystem. And that's really where I grew up in branding, understanding that it's not just putting a gorgeous product out there, but you've got to have a product that somebody understands. You've got to have a product that can speak for itself. And it's through understanding how that packaging could speak for a product up on a shelf or in a counter that I realized that we are all individual brands and products ourselves. And it's really just a question of how we position ourselves literally on the shelf of life that determines whether or not somebody's going to want to really pick us up, look our label over and hear what our story is.
brand messaging, but see this, you're Madison Avenue, meaning thinking of when you mention these kind of products, you think about specifically enough, these big companies, they don't, they don't go and say, okay, let's figure it out. The CEO and the people in the board. No, we're going to hire experts that understand this, understand exactly what it, we're talking about. We're talking big, big companies. So you worked in the corporate world. What made you want to go on your own, Glenn? Did it, were, were years working in the corporate world? Yeah, I, I spent probably about a dozen years working for various corporations. And, and one of the things I really wanted to do was I was really intrigued um, by the manufacturing side of the business, how all of that came together. And one of the companies that I was with did a lot of importing from China. And I really wanted to get over there, really wanted to see how these lots of 15, 20, 50,000 pieces were manufactured inexpensively, you know, how that happened. And through the course of time, uh, I created an opportunity for myself to start my own company with, uh, believe it or not, the Ringling Brothers Circus, their division mm -hmm. that does the on ice shows. So if you've ever been to a Disney on ice show, that license is held by Ringling Brothers Circus, who are the masters of in-venue entertainment. And working with them through the course of about a half a dozen years, I created about 600 different products, everything you could think of from the simple t-shirts and hats to light up toys, mugs that would be used to sell drinks and, and flavored ice balls, swords that talked, plush dolls, you name it. So I got an entire university of product development expertise by getting to go over in China and working directly on factory floors and understanding how that whole process happens so that I could bring it back and then figure out, okay, now when I create a brand, how am I going to be able to manufacture that? What is it going to, you know, what is it going to look like? What's the labeling going to be? How is it going to speak for itself when it gets up on a shelf? And again, looking at that process and figuring out that people are products too. Yes. So when you talk about branding, Neil, you've got a brand. Your podcast has a brand. You are a product on a shelf. It's the shelf of life. And where people decide to pick you up or not pick you up all has to do with the messaging you give out, starting with nonverbal brand messaging about yourself. Then when you say hello, do we like the way you sound? Then when we take a look at you, do we, of course, we like the way you look. But of course, you know, then that, that's all part of the equation, right? That, that enables somebody to decide, yes, I, I want the Neil Healy product or I don't want it. And then, see, that's a great point. And that's the missing component in so many different people is that thing. But you talk about that. I remember the days when I was wrestling in, in uh, minor leagues of professional wrestling and I sell the merchandise. It's all the different things from WWE, WWF stuff to WCW stuff and all that. And we just know what products are going to sell what they, they want at the shows. So, oh, whenever they're wrestling dolls on sale, we're picking those up. We'll double and we'll sell the price for double. But when you have an audience, so the message has to be there, but then the audience has to be there. So there's just so much to it. But if you don't have the brand messaging, you don't have a brand people are not going to buy it. And so you did that, which seems really interesting, but were you a consultant when doing that stuff in China and all that? Oh, no, no, no. I, I had my own companies and, and actually I, you know, I was gainfully employed by, let's say a fortune 1000 gift company. And one of our customers was looking for a resource, this Ringling Brothers that I spoke about. Okay. And that's how you start. I got it. Okay. Yeah, so when did that turn away from that? to the man, manufacturing and to now where you help people with their message regardless who they are 
Well, because about four or five years ago, I started doing some real heavy-duty networking in the New York area where I live. And I started realizing that most people are clueless when it comes to their own personal messaging. Now, I'm still in the manufacturing game. I'm working on some really interesting projects for uh, you know, one of the big uh, convenience store chains out west. I'm working on an individual project for a woman. It's an emergency signaling device. Uh, I've got a, a key client that I do science education toys for. Uh, that market slowed down a bit because of COVID, but I'm still deeply in that space. But because there's not as many customers in that space or the ones that are there know what they're doing, I'm always looking for more. There's always another inventor that's looking for advice on how do I manufacture my stuff overseas. I'm always looking for those inventors and people that need help in that space. But what I realized was that, again, people are products themselves. And so as I was going to these networking events, I realized that people had a very hard time with a number of things. Number one, public speaking. Yes. Number two, personal imaging. Number three, nonverbal branding. Number four, understanding how all three of those items pull together in this package of who is Glenn Rudin? Who is Neil Healy? And if all those things are not in concert, the way you look, the way you sound, the way you appear, your posture, if all that stuff is not in concert, then we just simply move on to the next person who gets to speak. We're like, we don't understand what he's- You gotta differentiate yourself. You gotta blow people away. And that's what Clubhouse brings to the table is it's your voice. And if you don't get over in the first three minutes, you're done. And that yeah. when the rooms grew, I don't know if the algorithm's changing or not. I have I'll, this weekend. I'll do some more studying on it. The, I just saw a totally different animal after I took a social audio break for a couple of weeks, which I call, which I called in the club pod room, which we grew to a pretty good size uh, room on Saturday. I call, I called it social audio. So, so when we when pod fade, I called it social audio fade. So I got to that point in the summer after six to seven months, it was getting old, same old, same old. I walked away, then I come back, the algorithms have changed. So that's the other thing about in anything you have to look at. If it doesn't work now, let's, where are we gonna kind of pivot? Like COVID now, people are gonna have to pivot again. And this is where they're gonna need someone like Len to give up the right messaging so that when they get their product or service out there, it's so, so important. And so I'm loving that where you figured that out and said, I'm gonna pivot a little bit. I'm gonna help people and all that because the biggest problem is they can't speak. They don't know where they're going, where direction to go. And you saw it so much on Clubhouse where they'd speak for two minutes, but they'd have no idea what they're speaking about their brand at all. Yeah, you know, what's really interesting is I can't tell you the number of times, I'm even talking about with professional speakers at the National Speakers Association, where, you know, I'm a member of the, uh, of the New York chapter and I've been going for years. So these are professional speakers. These are people who get paid big money to speak for a living. And, you know, during breaks, I would say, hey, you know, you know tell me, you know, what, what do you do for a living? You know, what do you speak about? They would go on, forget 30 seconds because they're speakers. You know, once you pull the string, they just go running, running, running. After about two minutes, I'd say, listen, I, I, I honestly, I have to stop you. I, I have no idea what you're speaking about. I really don't understand what your topic is. And they would, you know, look at me kind of funny, you know, a little bit of a deer in the headlights thing. And then they'd realize, you know what? I, I really am just reeling off all of this saturated stuff out of my topic but I haven't really taken the time to figure out how do I say this to somebody so that in 30 seconds they get it and they're either intrigued and they want to know more or they get it and it's not for them, but they know somebody who is and they say, hey, listen, that's not for me, 
but I know so-and-so that could really use your help. So, so that, people, is that basically an elevator pitch in certain ways, would you it's, say? It's definitely, it's definitely an elevator pitch for sure. But even, even before it's a full elevator pitch, it's just even a 10 or 12 second introduction. You know, most people start out with, hey, I'm Glenn Rudin. Uh, you know, I'm from, uh, from uh, East Northport, New York. Uh, and uh, my company is called Always Been Creative. Yes. You just wasted the first 20 seconds of your pitch and you haven't told me a thing that matters to me because I don't care who you are. I don't care what the name of your company is and I don't care where you're from. What do you have for me? So what you have, and see, that's a great point, depending on who you are, like for branding purposes, Clubhouse, by putting nationally syndicated radio and TV host, club pod leader and also podcast magazine director that gives it some credibility and then you tell what you do and help people but in certain ways it depends but it's really about how are you going to show wow you i'm you're bigger than a lot of the people out there how are you going to say that wow fact but if it's somebody else and their expertise level is i help people make money online through seo you better t say that in the first five seconds of your pitch and oh. and that helped five hundreds of people increase their, their their traffic on their website and conversion bam you had it there you go that's yeah. hello so you how big is your audience you know your podcast yeah, so, so, so five million people a week we have uh, 150 plus stations syndicated all that stuff i could say that stuff but again they're going to find that in the bio on clubhouse but if i'm going in a two-minute pitch but what am i trying to sell people and that's the big thing what makes me different what makes me special that's what you have to sell to people in 30 seconds or less and yeah. that's hard because you could throw it in so many different directions if you're a jack of all trades master of none so you want to get that in like when i reached out to you glenn you knew i was in the million dollar room but you had no idea but i was able to put it really fast and quick yeah hey, you want to be on my show blah 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 and then that's the end now when you get that elevator pitch or whatever you throw in either in a dm or something then once you get them longer, they get to see, oh my gosh, you have a lot of value. You can yeah, bring a lot to the right. table. Now, now we're engaged. And, and so the first mistake is the first one that I told you about where people start with name, rank, serial number. I don't care, right? Doesn't really matter to me. The next one that they do is they think, okay, I'm going to get really crafty here. I'm going to find a couple of really good college words and I'm going to throw those into the beginning of my pitch. And it's like, okay, first college word is a road bump. I got to slow down. I got to stop and think about what that is, what that word is. How does it relate to what you're speaking about? Then people throw the second one in. I haven't recovered from the first one. They continue with the pitch. And now I'm, I'm completely off the road on the shoulder. And I have no idea what the yeah, rest of the word is. You're definitely seeing it in the corporate world about, and I know exactly how you're teaching it. You look at what's the value proposition they have. And what pain point are they fixing? And if you're not putting that in your elevator pitch, then that's it. Like I talked about a new elevator pitch. I help people build websites either for their business or for clients in five to seven days with a system. There's that a is, that's a differentiation. If I have about 60 of them. Different things I can do, but that's the pain point. I help people increase their following on social media with no following at all with this uh, system of processes. And, and, and then you don't have to worry about it. But that's the thing. That's what you need to bring if you're giving an elevator pitch. And for Clubhouse, it's prestige is Clubhouse. If I'm talking to somebody here, I might say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a national syndicate radio host that's interviewed these celebrities. 
but is that going to sell somebody? So sometimes your pitch changes based on your audience, right? Oh, it has to, it has to. One size definitely does not fit all. I always use this example. If you're a real estate agent and you're going to a convention with other real estate agents, I would think you'd have something completely different to say than if you were going to a convention with first time home buyers. How could you possibly say the same thing to both of those audiences? You couldn't, you couldn't. You'd look like a fool if you were pitching other real estate agents on selling them houses, right? You wouldn't want that or what it's like to be a first time home buyer. To the, con you know, to the contrary, the other side of that, if you were going to this convention with first time home buyers, you wouldn't be talking to them about why somebody should be joining your agency or why your agency is so unique or how the training that you've gotten in real estate is so spectacular that somebody should leave their agency, join yours. So people, again, don't understand that. They pitch this one size fits all. And instead of pitching to anyone, again, you're pitching to almost no one. You're hoping that your target audience is out there, but chances are they're not. And so the way you really go about doing that is you really try and find, for me, either important facts about your business that will resonate with an audience that understands how those facts impact them, or a question that really gets people leaning in and engaged wow. to say, ah, Neil and Glenn have really thought about this, and now they're speaking to me, and now they understand. So if I said to you, do you know that 80% of the people I come in contact with struggle with their elevator pitch? Well, now if you're one of those 80%, you're like, huh, I'm going to lean in and listen a little bit longer yeah. to hear what this guy has exactly. to say, right? Well, don't worry. This is what I do. I help people with that 30-second pitch. So they're clearly understood from second 15 onward, and they get the engagement they're right. looking for. So Boom. two quick tips to increase your elevator pitch. What should you do? Well, the first one is really come up with a fact or an empathetic point that really addresses the pain that your business is going to address. So uh, if you're a, a not-for-profit, what's your charity about? Who are the people that you're helping? How can you get somebody? Did you know that X amount of people suffer from this disease, right? Yeah. Now, if, if, if you know someone that does, even if you don't, that's going to resonate with you, right? So that, to me, is an empathetic way of doing it. The other way is using is using a fact. Did you know that 80% of the businesses in the world are able to advance what they do by working with a key podcaster like a Neil Healy? Oh, well, that sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. Do you know this guy? Oh, yeah, I might know him. Yeah. Okay. See, that's great. And that's the thing. And then the, the process is understanding and being able to really speak your pitch and believe it because right. if you don't believe it forget about it you and i can come up with 50,000 different pitches and i've done that in clubhouse where i've gone in i help i help busy people uh but i came up with one right at the beginning busy people i help successful people grow their social media and uh, and uh traffic based by this that so i came up with something i forget what it was but meaning you have to address what audience you're speaking to and how that audience changes and those are great tips glenn where can people connect with you where's the best place they can go to check you out always been creative.com for sure uh glenn rudin g-l-e-n-n-r-u-d-i-n -N -N -N. i'm an easy search and i'm a really active participant on linkedin uh which is to me where everybody should be doing business Today, I'm a regular poster on there. I love connecting with people. I love sharing stories. Uh, every week, I actually do a song for the week, and I tie that back into my content. On Mondays, I do a quote for the week, tie it back into my content. And I, I happen to love LinkedIn. 
Uh, now I'm starting to get a little bit of a following on Instagram, but you know, for me, it's all about LinkedIn or always been creative.com. You can yeah. find me at both of those places and I respond like crazy to whoever gets in touch with me. And I think, I think LinkedIn is going to be back to, we're going to be back to the networking days, even though social audio was such a big trend. I think that I, I told people push all these other networks because everyone's not pitching them. Everyone's going to clubhouse. All the marketers are flooding it. Go back to LinkedIn, go back to Facebook, go back to those places, come up with a way that you're going to be able to network and connect with people and get them on the phone. And then that's when your job comes to place. So we yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, and I'll mention, mention quickly too. I do have oh. a book coming out in September. All right. That's called A Brand in Your Hand. And uh, this book is a serious business book, but it's written in a very easy way for people to comprehend because it is all written in rhyme like a Dr. Seuss book. But it's a real working book. Uh, and it's got real worksheets in it. It's all done with gorgeous color. I love it. Yeah, but it's really different. It's uh, it's breakthrough. Uh, you know, in business and life, we might may judge things in a hurry, and you'll lose us when your brand message is blurry. So read these verses for helpful direction, and your brand will look great when it's under inspection. I love it, Glenn. Well, we're going to definitely connect. Appreciate you coming by. And that was an interview with Glenn Rudin on The Neil Haley Show. Take care.